Welcome to Season 3 of the Tango Alpha Lima Podcast. We start off 2022 on a serious and important note as we address veteran suicide. Numbers are quoted, 22, 20, 19 a day, but numbers aren't the focus of this four-part series because even one veteran suicide is too many. This week, our host and guest explore solutions, tools that have helped them keep one veteran or many from taking their own life. American Legion members, posts, and service officers are heroes on this front. Please share these episodes, these success stories with veterans and families, especially those who may be at risk. This is a special series of the Tango Alpha Lima podcast. Welcome everyone to the continuation of our mini series of episodes on veteran suicide prevention awareness. Today, we welcome back a former guest to our show, Sean Powers. He is a member of 9-11 Memorial Post 2001, New York City. He's, he is a Legion member who was an NYPD helicopter pilot on 9-11 and was part of our two-part series on race and policing, episode nine, back in our first season. Today, Sean will join us to talk about police organization providing peer assistance, or PAPA, an NYPD police support network committed to providing a confidential, safe, and supportive environment for police officers and retirees. Sean is a PAPA volunteer and will tell us how he and others work to prevent and reduce post-traumatic stress disorders, marital problems, substance abuse, and suicide among first responders, and how some of the same techniques can be used to address veteran suicide. Disabled veterans, disadvantaged children, and military families all need American Legion services. And that old car on your property simply needs to go away. Help us help others by donating your car to the American Legion. It's easy, convenient, and tax deductible. Visit legion.careasy.org today or call 844-4-LEGION. That's 844-453-4466. All right, welcome, Sean, or I should say welcome back. I don't know if you know this. You are our first repeat guest did you know that? Um, Holly, yeah, just, just found out about that like a half second before you said it. That's, and that's super exciting for us. After the first 100, we have a repeat guest. And uh, I saw you last in Phoenix at the National Convention. Yes. Uh, did you run into Ashley there? Yes. I think okay. so, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was at the table or in passing. a very in-depth conversation. Oh. Yeah. We just had, uh, you know, guy talk or grunting and stuff. So we are going to get right into this. This is a this is a very special series, and we're super glad to have you. And we're, we're gonna we're both gonna talk to you, but we're gonna start with uh, Ashley because she's really good at this. Aw, thanks, thanks, Jeff. I appreciate you. So, so Sean, so I want to start off, you know, you've got a super high suit background, you're a legionnaire, you were an NYPD helicopter pilot on 9-11, you've done all of these amazing, cool things, and now you're stepping into this role or have created a program, and you're going to explain this, but it's called PAPA, the PAPA program for NYPD officers, so I don't know if I said it correctly, you need to let me know because my phonetic alphabet's starting to take over. So you, you let me know. I want to know about this program. I, I want to know about what you're up to since we've last spoken and how this program has developed. Okay. Um, first of all, I did not, I did not come up with this program. Um, this is a program designed back in the mid nineties. There was a rash of suicides with the NYPD. They, you know, the, 
unfortunately, were officers killing themselves left and right. Um, one of the officers who was unsuccessful, thank God, um, was asked because the NYPD has a health services division where you go to them and they would they would provide mental health support for you. And it was like, why did you not turn to them? And the answer was very quick and very succinct. And it was because I would be tagged and it would follow me forever. And the first thing they would do is take their guns away. You know, having that CYA attitude, um, they would take their guns away from them. And I even heard this from a female who, who said this to me. It would emasculate them if they got their weapon taken away from them. And I was like, wait a minute, you're a female. She says, yes, but as a cop, you take that identity as a cop and they take the gun away from you. Um, and they usually did it for an extended period of time. And that would follow you through the rest of your career. So what they did is they came out with this program. There was a, there was a gentleman, uh, Bill Janay. He was with the, the PBA. He was uh, one of the, um, the union guys. And he came out with this program. And it was a membership assistance program originally. It was MAP. And then they changed it to Papa. Uh, a friend of mine gave me a call one day and said, hey, Sean, you familiar with this program, Papa? I said, yeah, I heard about it. He goes, you should join it. I was like, yeah, hey, okay, it's another thing. So I learned more about it. There was a gentleman in my unit. I was in the aviation unit at the time, and he told me about it. And he was one of the peer support officers. They call them PSOs, peer support officers. And oh, and PAPA stands for Police Officers Providing Peer Assistance. So you got the P-O-P-P-A, Police Officers Providing Peer Assistance. So I went and I joined, uh, became a peer support officer, went through the full training to become one of the peer support specialists. And it was great. It was great. You got to help the people who you wouldn't necessarily, who don't look for help. They don't want help. Um, they want it, but they want to make sure that it doesn't follow them. Like we said before, um, what happened then was after I'd been a peer support officer for a while, um, got a call and it was like, Sean, we're doing this show on A&E. A&E was doing a show called Cop Counselors. And I don't know if you remember that guy, um, Bill Curtis had a whole series of shows, you know, Bill Curtis here. I mean, great guy. And uh, I never got to meet him in case that was a question, but he was the, the voice behind the show. And uh, they said, we want you to be one of the guys, you know, and, and I'm using, guy when I say guys, it's, it's gender neutral. So I uh, want you to be one of the guys. Okay, fine. And I don't know if you're familiar with um, the Brady Bunch, that show, the Brady Bunch. But it wasn't, you know, there's one episode with, you know, Johnny Bravo. And they found out that it was all synthesized music. And they said, why do they even want you? And he said, because I fit the suit. And that's why I got, I believe that's the reason I got picked, because this way they could show the helicopter in the back. It gives us something, you know, some sort of draw and attention to it. So anyway, we did that. We did that in um, 2000 into 2001. It aired. I'm trying to remember, it was um, late spring, early summer. So it was right around May or June that, that it aired on A&E. And again, this is in 2001. And if you're familiar with A&E back then, they didn't have as many shows as they do now. So they would rerun it and rerun it. And plus cops being who they are, if they see something on there that says NYPD, they were drawn to it. You know, hey, listen up. 
I'm going to watch this. So I was on that show. And of course, when the show aired, get phone calls or, you know, sometimes it would air three o'clock in the morning. Hey, Sean. I'm like, oh, yeah, what? what, what what's up? You call me three o'clock in the morning. It's like, yeah, I just saw the show on A&E and I saw you on there. It's like, OK. So that made me kind of a focal point for this. So we understand um, what happened later on that year. You know, here's here's here we are. Late spring, early summer of 2001, the show's being aired. People are watching it. Later on in the fall, as fall starts, September comes around, September 11th. And we went from being busy to being inundated with, with police officers who were down there after 9-11. And thank God that program was in place because it saved so many lives. I mean, you can't sit back and judge like how many people did it actually save, but I've seen the results of people who were affected by that, who um, were helped. I'm going to, I'm going to use the word help. They weren't, I don't know. I can't use the word cured, but they were definitely helped in their issues. And because I was on that show, it was, it, 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 cops are a funny group of people. They, they don't trust anything, especially now, but they don't trust anything unless they can verify it. So I would get calls. It's like, Hey, Sean, you're in this thing, Papa, right? Yeah. Um, what's the deal? The deal is it works. It does this, it does that. You explain it to them. They're like, but this is legit. Yes, it's legit. But this is legit. Yes, it's legit. And it would just, go on and go on. And next thing you know, is you, I would get passed on to this one, to the, to the next friend, to the other friend. Hey, listen, I got a buddy of mine. He has, he has some issues. Can he call you? And unfortunately, um, you know, just being one person, you know, I have to tell him call the hotline or do whatever. And, it, but there were some guys who wouldn't do that. You know, they're like, no, Joe said he trusts you. I'm going to talk to you. So, you know, there's a lot of that going on, too. But, hey, I, yeah. I think uh, uh, you handle that so well. I actually, this is also a first, I don't have a follow-up question. So I think we're going to go ahead and take a break and be back in 30 seconds. The American Legion is Veterans Strength in America. We're in your community, supporting veterans, service members, and their families, enriching the lives of young people and promoting citizenship and patriotism. Our members are passionate about these core values. Help strengthen America by joining the American Legion today. For more information, go to legion.org join. All right, we are back with Sean Powers after a quick break. And I wanted to jump in real quick because, you know, this is, an, uh, this is about suicide prevention awareness from the American Legion. And I'm wondering how uh what you do what we can learn from papa um well with the veteran community there are some of us who got involved in it there are some some of us who besides being cops and pso's were also veterans we were asked by outsiders you know hey listen you guys deal with cops but you know i've got a buddy of mine can you talk to him? He's a veteran. Yeah, sure. No problem. We could talk to him. 
we ended up getting a couple of these guys. First of all, I think I thought we thought that we're going to get, you know, the majority of them from Iraq and Afghanistan. And that wasn't the case. Originally we were getting Vietnam veterans, which I was surprised at. And, uh, you know, we're like, why are you guys here? And those demons that were put to rest while they were raising their kids, having their careers going, doing all their stuff. Now they're retired. The kids have moved out. And those demons are now poking their heads in there. And we dealt with that. And we dealt. And as a matter of fact, um, that movie came out, Hacksaw Ridge, you know, the one about Desmond Doss. And uh, one of the veterans organizations was playing a movie up at their hall. And I get a call. And it's like, you know, again, I'm using generic names here. It's like, hey, Sean, can you come up here? You know, we've got Billy Jones and he's kind of out of it. Can you come talk to him? Okay, fine. And now I know Billy Jones and I'm like, all right, fine. Maybe he's got some issues. I go up there. Here's this 90 year old guy, short, stocky, 90 year old guy throwing chairs around, yelling at people. He was there. He was he was there at the not the exactly the same time Desmond Doss was, but he was his unit um, was there, you know, right there at Hacksaw Ridge. And he was he was out of it. He was losing his control. And nobody even knew that that was affecting him all all of these years that he held that in. And it's there. It's there. It's it's there in our community. Um, the military didn't understand it in the beginning. There are several, I don't know what number, but there are several veterans that were given other than honorable discharges because of actions they were doing. Then you follow it through and you find out this guy is a clear case of PTSD. You know, this, this guy has some serious, serious mental health issues that the military didn't see, but they saw the results of that. And because of that, they got, they got this person out of the military. So it's, 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 it was different. It was different to see that. Um, another thing we saw um, that we didn't, we don't see too much when we saw with the police department, uh, survivor's guilt. And it wasn't so much, you know, that they were in action and their buddy who was in the same unit with them didn't make it. But it was guys that were still here in the States. And, and that was something. And the other thing that really, really threw me for a loop and threw all of us for a loop was the problems with females and the problems they were dealing with, with, you know, sexual assaults and the military, I don't think the military properly addressed that. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of our veteran community that I think were pushed aside and that we really need to go back and address it. And obviously take care of their mental health issues because of what happened to them. Ashley. Wow, I'm just I'm taking it all in because so for everything that I've just I've learned is that you're doing incredible work, you know, Papa is committed to preventing suicide, you know, this like newest phase of your suicide pre pre prevention effort, you know, is to educate police officers as you know, you know, uh, officers as um, it's the word I'm looking for. Basically identifying risk factors and the warning signs that are being displayed by someone who is suicidal and to know that you've had such an incredible impact it, in my mind, I'm wondering about, you know, the training aspect. I know that 
we want to make sure we've got folks who know what they're doing. They're not exacerbating an issue or saying the wrong things. Um, how has your program implemented training that has been able to effectively, you know, across the board standardize the conversations and the warning signs and all of all of the things one needs to be armed with when they're having a very difficult conversation? Um, that's the number one thing. Training is the number one priority. If you're going to, if you're going to do any kind of peer support, you need the proper training, the absolute positive proper training. It's, it's equivalent to a mental health EMT or a paramedic. You, you have an accident, you get on the scene, they know what they're doing. They know, they know if, you know, before you move the patient, find out what's wrong with them before you go and address something. Um, obviously, if you have an arterial bleed, that's the first thing that goes. The next thing that goes is you're looking for their airways. If you don't have that training, you don't know what you're looking for, and you could definitely, definitely, definitely do more damage than good. Uh, I'll just tell a brief story. Um, had a, another PSO who was out in Long Island, and for him just to even get to me would have taken him two hours. And the drive for the other officer that needed help that talked to him on the hotline was an hour away from me. So he's home, got the three kids. Um, he said, Sean, I'm throwing you a ground ball. Can you please go talk to this guy? Because that's that's part of it, too. We meet them in person. Now with the COVID, we do it like this over Zoom or FaceTime. I'm talking with the guy and he says, he says, well, first of all, the first PSO hands me off to him and says it's ground ball family, it's a family issue. The husband and wife need uh, marital therapy. Okay, fine. I'm talking to the guy and now we're sitting down face to face. We're sitting at a diner and I start asking him, you know, how's everything going? Oh, you know, my wife, I've known her forever. My best friend's sister, our, our, our parents are best friends. And all of a sudden she's turned into this person that I don't recognize. She's you know, she's on top of me all the time. She's bothering me all the time. I can't do anything right. So I start talking to him. And in the process of talking to him, and again, this is where the training comes in. In the process of talking to him, I'm asking him questions like, tell me about your, your day. And he starts talking about his day. He does the four to twelves. And, and he's in a highly specialized unit. So obviously this guy is, is on top of his game. And when we're talking about that, and then all of a sudden I just ask him, so, you know, he says, you know, sometimes I'll hang out with the guys after work. Okay. Then, then I, I bring up, I says, well, you know, do you, do you have drinks? You, you know, do you, do you have a pop or two? And he says, eh, yeah, 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 we do. And I says, how much? Oh, you know, nothing, nothing beyond the norm. Okay. Well, what's the norm? The norm, as I draw it, draw, excuse me, as, as I was drawing it out of them, the norm was a 12-pack or a small bottle. And we're talking about the half liters. And I'm like, a half liter of bourbon, that'll do you good. And I said, or a 12-pack. And, and, and then we got into how often do you do this? Oh, uh, well, you know, just about every night after work. So the guy's working from 4 to 12. The bar, he's there till the bars close four o'clock in the morning. So he's getting home when the kids and everybody's asleep, getting into bed, 
The kids are getting up to go to school. The wife's getting up to go to work. He's still in the bed. And I'm like, wait a second. So, so now this, this family, this marriage, th- you know, therapy that he needs, uh, maybe we should go back to the drinking. So and then I start talking to him a little more and getting more involved, getting and, and in that conversation, that's where that training comes in, because you have to be able to make them comfortable and talk to you so you can drain this out of them. And I start talking to him and, and I ask him, you know, have you always been a drinker? Is this, you know, have you have you always been drinking this much? And I was like, no, I, you know, I, I used to never drink at all when I was growing up. And then I come to find out, you know. And, and he knew the exact date when he started drinking. It was the date he lost his partner. Mm-hmm. And, and I sat there and I was like, what do you mean you lost your partner? He said, yeah, he, you know, when my partner died. And I, you know, I was, I was like, oh, we, you know, how did he die? And, and it, he it died in the line of duty. And I asked him, I said, where were you? In, were you there? Were you involved? He said, yeah, I was three feet away from him. So this guy, forget, forget the family issues. Forget this couple's therapy. First of all, we have to dry him out because now this guy has an alcohol issue. But the reason he has the alcohol issue is because of this incident that happened before. He was trying to deal with it, couldn't deal with it, ended up self-medicating. And unfortunately, that's, you know, once we get rid of this, Forget it. The family part of it's going to work out perfectly. But if if we had not, if I had not had that training, knowing how to get him into my confidence and to ask him the proper questions without attacking him, you know, without giving any judgment at all to his answers, we never would have known that. We would have sent this gentleman and his wife to a couple's therapy, and that would have been the end of it. And and the underlying issues never would have gone. They never would have been addressed had it not been for the proper training to know what to ask and what to get from these people and, and him in particular. So Sean, I have, this- a, I have a quick question to interject. So you've, no, talked, no you've talked a lot about the interpersonal skills that are required to have hard conversations and building trust and that camaraderie, both that we see in the veteran community, as well as any of our first responders. And I think you really hit the nail on the head about just having a conversation with someone and letting them open up to you and how, and this is very like Shrek speak to me, but it's like everyone's an onion. It's about how many layers we can pull back. And once you get to the root of the fruit, like, and I'm, I'm using a lot of food references. I'm actually pretty hungry. So I, I digress. I was going to say, I'm getting hungry now. <laughs> hungry now. Um, but I think about the, the root that what you're describing in this gentleman's situation is that he saw a traumatic incident happen to someone that he worked with on long shifts for maybe years, months, days, and knew them intimately. And to hear that that individual was self-medicating, like that was the core root. And I think what's important is that your suicide awareness for emergency responder or your safer program, this one day suicide training that you have is so critical that you're providing for you know the the, uh, the folks overall for your, your suicide prevention program and just you know, being there in this confidential manner to 
uh, address these issues for NYPD officers and their family members. And I, I just think it's so enduring and I, I love what you're doing. So I, I definitely want to say thank you for, you know, being here as well as letting all of the folks out there know that this is a program that can be, I would say maybe duplicated or um, across. Okay. Because I wasn't sure if it was, I'm assuming it's just all NYPD, but I'm sure there are other police departments that would benefit from a program like this, or maybe have something like it, but called something different. So it's nice to know that there's really great resources out there for our, our first responders, for our veterans. Um, but yeah, Jeff, what do you got? I just wanted, I want to thank you for coming out again, telling some of these stories that add uh, a human depth to them as not just, uh, not just talking about the programs and the initiatives, but talking about the people uh, that you've come across and, and how it's really going to help. Because I would love to see this sort of thing replicated throughout the communities of both first responders and uh, veterans. And I'll, I'll probably talk to you about that offline a little bit so that we can see how, what we need to do to incorporate it properly. Cause like we talked about before we started recording, you have to do it right. You have to have the proper training or it's gonna be a hit or miss result. And we don't want a hit or miss result when the when the stakes are basically as high as they can get. So thanks again, Sean. I, I look forward to seeing you again in real life because I like that pin you're wearing. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't give you one at the at the convention. But can I can I add one thing before, before we, we go? This can absolutely be translated into the veterans community very, very, very easily. It, we're not creating the wheel. We're just modifying it. To the veterans community and the main reason that this is so important the main reason it works for the nypd is because we are we're keeping the government out of it the main the main reason why i've talked to um some of our veterans and i've and i've sent them to the va and they're like no no absolutely not not going to the va they don't they don't want their identity known with having this tag that they've had mental health issues attached to it. Um, we all know about the Brady Bill and they're worried about getting their weapons taken away. Some who use their weapons in their job, some who are police officers who are veterans coming back. They don't want that stigma. They don't want that attached to them. And the big fear, which is, I don't know if it's valid or not. I think it might be, some people don't think it is, but once the government has your name and has your name attached as being somebody who has had mental health issues, is there a possibility that while they say now um, it's confidential, will it always be confidential? Will somebody go back in, grab those names from those files that the government has and take them out, pull them out and go after their weapons, go after their hunting rifles, go after their personal you know, weapons? That's the biggest fear. And that was the biggest fear that happened with the NYPD. Once we, you know, once this, um, the PAPA was created, it, it gave a confidentiality that the job doesn't know. The NYPD doesn't know what's going on. We fixed them and we put them back in without any stigma attached to them. And veterans are just as much, if not more, 
aware of that and they don't want that. They don't want that stigma attached to them where even though it's told it's confidential now, will it always be confidential? So that's, that's the well, reason. That it a, works. No, that makes a lot of sense. So, uh, and it's, it's, it's taking that feedback and, uh, and adapting your program to fulfill that need is really, really important. And uh, so again, I thank you for coming on. And uh, I know Ashley and I will have a lot to talk about when we do this wrap up. So uh, until I see you again and get that pin, uh, thanks again for coming and have, have an amazing day. Thank you, likewise. So you were discharged with a 20% disability rating, but now you can't hear so well and need help. Contact an American Legion service officer. Service officers are free of charge and they help all veterans. Find one near you with our online tool at legion.org forward slash service officers. Wow, Ashley, what did that was that was a lot of information there. What did what what did you think? So I think that Sean is incredibly knowledgeable, very passionate. He's done a continuation of work throughout the community. He's impacted so many lives. And I think that this program is very applicable to the veteran space and our community at large. So I think that there's a lot of crossover between the two, and I'd be interested to see how um, other first responder organizations and the American Legion can work together to um, you know, prevent suicide amongst our service members or veterans and within our, our community at large. Right. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I love the, you, you, you often say second service, but I always, I call it a continuation. So, you know, he took off one uniform, put on another uniform, constantly working to save lives. And he's continued that in this latest pursuit. Uh, and every, every effort that he's doing right now is potentially saving another life or bundle of lives as this thing spreads and includes more people. So I've just, I, I'm just super impressed. I'm glad that we, I'm glad that I met him. Glad that we both got to meet him in real life. Uh, I know you. Uh, he became a friend of yours at convention, and and yeah, thank you, Sean Powers, for that. Now this spring. The American Legion will launch a new initiative to create awareness about veteran suicide and expand programs that provide assistance to those in need. Keep watching legion.org for news of the launch of this program. In the meantime, there are things that you can do to help those in need. Ashley? Sure. So first and foremost, do a buddy check. Call, text, or drop by to check on a veteran or veterans that you know to make sure that they are doing well and to help them if they're you know, feeling alone, help them feel less lonely and be there. Know the warning signs, understand when a veteran needs assistance and be knowledgeable about the resources available to or within the community so that you can direct them to help them. And then additionally for immediate assistance, and I strongly encourage folks to put this in their phone and have the veteran crisis line on speed dial if you shall, if you ever need to give it to a legionnaire or whatnot. So it's 1-800-273-8255, press one. And you can also text at 838-255 to get help immediately in the event that you are with a veteran in, in need and in, in need of uh, assistance. 
And finally, you can also donate to the American Legion. Your tax deductible donations help us build new programs and provide support through service officers across the country. So this is incredibly important. Um, so go to legion.org backslash give. And first and foremost, just want to also encourage folks to remember to subscribe to the Tango Alpha Lima on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, review us and rate us, preferably five stars. If you want to send us feedback, you can comment on our YouTube or Facebook page as well as send us an email at tangoalphalima at legion.org. We'll, we'll be, be back. back. Oh. 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 We'll be back tomorrow to wrap up this series. Hope to see you there. Episode 85 of season two, Mission Complete.